so much. Good morning. It's good to be back. Yeah, I was here uh, in January. So it's nice to see the first three feet of your state. <laughs> and it's not just white with rooftops. There's actually houses and people. That's nice. Uh, yes, I, I'm a friend of Mark. Uh, actually, me and Mark were attending a Ken Davis conference, and we sat in the back, and we didn't pay any attention. So <laughs> that's how we became friends. And um, actually, next year, me and Mark are going to the Middle East together, <laughs> to Saudi Arabia and hopefully Egypt and Lebanon. Uh, Mark is doing his marriage conference, and I'm going to help translate for him and do some comedy with him. And what he doesn't know, to me, he's worth 40 camels. I mean, <laughs> so he's not coming back, so I might be your new. <laughs> I just have one question before we start. When are you guys going to finish working on your freeways? <laughs> we call them highways here, right? When? Every time I come here, I came here 10 years ago, there's still orange creatures working on the highway. These people, when they die and they get to the gates of heaven, they're going to be orange cones that will lead them to hell. Because <laughs> the whole highway system is the work of Satan. Yeah, you know that. You think of Satan as someone who's wearing a red suit and a fork. No, he's wearing an orange suit and a shovel. <laughs> but I, I, yes, I am from the Middle East, but ever since September 11th, I feel so Mexican. And I love everything about this nation except going to doctors. It's so painful to go to a doctor in this nation. You're in pain, you call the doctor, who do you get on the phone? The receptionist who thinks she's a doctor. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nazareth, I'm in pain, I need to see the doctor. What's the problem? Well, the problem is you didn't go to medical school. <laughs> That's the problem, when can I see the doctor? Oh, he doesn't see patients on Tuesday. How about tomorrow? We don't know if your insurance covers that. No, I don't have an HMO. It's not a PPO. It's called a no, no, no. <laughs> When's the next appointment? Next year? I'll be with the Lord by then. Can I get a second opinion? May I speak to the other receptionist? That's why they have two receptionists. Get a second opinion. I got one six months later. I went to the doctor. I forgot what I called him for. But if you cancel, they charge you for it. And what do they do? You walk in there, they give you this questionnaire. 4,000 questions about your family history. Don't fill it out. If you're paying that kind of money to see the doctor, don't give him a clue. <laughs> he went to school, he should know what's wrong with you. <laughs> Just write across the forms, adopt it. <laughs> Check me out. <laughs> I paid that much. And it used to be a clipboard. Remember the phones used to be in a clipboard? Now it comes in a crate with a forklift. Here you go, fill it out. So I'm filling them out. By the time I was done, I had to go back and change my age. The area code, my wife called. She said, the, the kids need a father, come back. So I'm filling the form by the time I'm done. And they ask you questions like, like uh, you know, family history. What did your grandpa have or grandma had? I don't know. 
I can't call my grandma and call and say, what, what was wrong with you? I mean, grandma, did you have a rash before? I mean, I can't do that. My grandma is four foot, 92 years old, lovely lady, beautiful lady. And uh, she, she, she has a yo-yo, never played yo-yo, of course, because she's four foot, it just keeps hitting the floor. <laughs> But grandma never had a bank account. I remember when we were little, every money she gets, she just puts it in her right here. Just every money. So when me and my brother needed money, all we have to do is turn the music on and say, come on, let's dance, grandma. You, pick up the money from the floor, come on. Five more dollars, grandma, keep moving. But, and my, and my family was hush-hush about diseases. Like, don't say to, to anybody we have disease. You know, the daughters will never get married. So I, didn't, I know grandpa died from cancer, but she never told us that. I'm like, how did grandpa die? He got hit by a train. Train, I was in the room when he got, yeah, the train came in the room, hit him and left. Sasha, so, so anyway, I'm filling up the forms and then, uh, and then once you're done, they go, what are you in here for? I go, muscle spasm from, from riding. My rest is shaking from writing all these forms. And then and she said, they put you in that room. There's like 2,000 magazines. You wonder why? You'll be done reading all the articles before they move you into the holding tank. <laughs> that small cold room where they leave you there until you heal. <laughs> and just to make sure you're not going to leave the room, they make you take your clothes off and wear the robe that's open from the back. I'm going for a sore throat. Why should I take my clothes off? And it's always freezing in that room. You wonder why? Just in case you die and they forget about you, you don't stink <laughs> till they find you. And it always sounds like the book of Revelation. When's the doctor coming? No one knows. Like a thief in the night. In a twinkle of an eye. Boom, he's going to come in. But here's your white robe. Be prepared. So you're sitting there, humiliated, embarrassed. What do you do? You start opening the drawers, looking in there, try some of the machines on you, steal the rubber gloves. <laughs> then the door opens and you sit like you're moving. Oh, doctor, I healed already. <laughs> I did not mean it. I went home with a bathroom key in my pocket with a big piece of wood stuck to it. What, did the guy work for BP before? So I called him, I got the same angry receptionist from six months ago. Oh, we found the key, it was a comedian who stole it. I didn't steal it, I took some gloves. What is this, confession? She goes, you have to bring it right now, there's people waiting here. Oh, I don't deliver keys on Tuesday. <laughs> I don't know, I, don't, I have allergies, I always, I have big, major allergy problems. And I went to a doctor and he goes, you're allergic to sand. Sand? I'm from the Middle East. Come on, man. Because you're also allergic to furry animals. Furry animals. My whole family is furry animals. <laughs> have you seen babies from the Middle East? We're not like your beautiful babies that have just fuzz and beautiful eyes. They're all hairy. We look like a coconut wrapped in a towel. <laughs> That's what our babies look like. Furry animals. Come on. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's, it's how something happened to me last time. I, I did a concert for a banquet, for a medical banquet, and I, and I saw my pharmacist, and he was drunk. That messes you up, because I take medications. And I started looking at the medication and pray. I hope they're the right ones. I'm reading the pills. I hope he wasn't drunk when he gave them to me. And then I read the Bible, it says, don't take with alcohol. Oh yeah, you hypocrite. <laughs> 
But, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to be here this morning because uh, I have a message to share with you that will encourage you. It's, I, I titled it, When the Unexpected Takes Longer Than Expected. When the unexpected takes longer than expected. When hard times are taking longer than they should. When the sickness is longer than it should. When the relationship problems are taking longer than they should. And what do we do? What do you do in that situation? And God showed me uh, a chapter in the Old Testament in 1 Kings 17 to, that really covers everything we need to know and apply if we need to go through the unexpected hard times. And it's uh, 1 Kings 17. I'm using Pastor Mark's Bible without his knowledge. Um, I just took it from his office. Uh, and, uh, let's read it. Uh, in Elijah 17, beginning, it says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, Ahab was the king at the time, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there'll be neither dough nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Look at the power and the honor that Elijah have. He stood before a king and said, It's not going to rain. Yeah, unless you're from Wisconsin, but uh, it's not going to rain, and it's not going to, you know, nothing going to happen except by my word. I mean, look at the power and the honor that God gave Elijah. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn east, eastward, and hide in the Kiriath Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. What? What? Come on, Lord. I was just before the king. And now, you want ravens to feed me? No way. And, and when I read that, this is the first thing you know. Whenever hard times takes longer than should, the first thing you need to do is you need to put your ego aside. You need to put your ego aside. And, you know, uh, then you continue. So, so he goes, you know what? So he did what the Lord has told him. Okay, I don't like it. I hate what you're doing, Lord, but I'm going to do it. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kiriath Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zerphath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. Come on, Lord. I accepted this hard thing, uh, this, you know, uh, ego embarrassment thing that I have to eat by ravens. Now you want a widow? I should be giving money and food to the widow. A widow is going to feed me? No way. This is what the Lord is doing. When hard times come, sometimes, first thing you need to do is put your ego aside. Oh, no. I know I'm unemployed. I know I've been without a job for six months. But I used to be a supervisor. I will not take a job at minimum wage. I will not take a job being just an employee in this company where I used to be the boss or a manager. Does this happen? I will not allow it to happen. We hang on to our ego many times. And God is just saying, okay, put your ego aside for now. Sometimes with health. No, I don't want anybody to help me. Oh, no, 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 my kids are not coming here. No, you're not going to help me. No, I, I don't want anybody to help. I'll handle it myself. I'll take care of myself. And God just wants to, sh to put your ego aside. 
I don't know, whatever your situation is. Sometimes think about it. Is, it, is your ego stopping you from solving the problem? From allowing God to work in your life? You answer that. You have to put your ego aside. Accept, you know, take the lesser job for now until the economy gets back. Do that thing that you don't, oh, I'll never, do it. What else do you have? God is not opening any other door. Maybe that's the only door he wants you to go through for now. Go through it. Don't stop it. Number one, put your ego aside. Number two, and this is really, really important. This is what he did. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? You know what was neat about Elijah? He did what God told him to do. He didn't like it. Maybe he complained a little, but he did what God told him to do. And in this whole chapter last night, God just showed me something really amazing. Is, you know, for, for ravens to bring you food every day and every night, that's not natural. That's supernatural. But you know what? When you're obedient, the supernatural starts happening. When you're obedient, the supernatural starts happening. When you're not obedient, you will not see any supernatural things. Oh, there's no way God can provide this. There's no way God can take my problem away. There's no way God can solve this. This disease is not, it's terminal. Be obedient and let him and see. That's number two. Do God's will regardless of you approving of it. You know, there's a, there's a beautiful verse in Jeremiah 33, 3. It's not in your notes, but it's just one of my favorites verses in the word of God. Jeremiah 33, 3. It says, call to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you don't know. This is beautiful for men. How many times men we go, God, what are you doing next? What's going on? What's, what's going to happen? You don't know. But when you spend time in the word of God and you spend time with the Lord, then God will show you what you have to do next. And it's amazing. So let's continue. And, uh, and he said, he called her and he said, uh, you know, he came in and he asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread too. And she said, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug, and I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Oh, isn't that our situation sometimes? Can you, can you help at the church? I can't. I just lost my job, and, I, and we have nothing. I don't know what's going to happen to us. We might become homeless tomorrow. I can't help anybody. I can't help you. Look at me. I'm having the hard time. You want me to help you? Look at me. And we feel sorry for ourselves. And that's, that's, that's not what the Lord wants from his children. That's not a good reflection on the Lord. I mean, when you're wearing dirty clothes, nobody ever comes and says, Oh, beautiful, where did you buy that? They don't. So don't, you know, so when, when hard times come, we, you know, some of us uh, try to react that way. We become this sorry, feeling sorry for ourselves. So, but this is what happened. 
she said, okay, afterwards she told him that. You know what Elijah said to her? Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. This is amazing. You know, here's, here's an Elijah. He said, going to a widow, poor widow. And he goes, no, no, you give me first. There's an order here that God wants. You give to God's work first, and then you'll see the blessing. But I don't have anything. Whatever you have, give to the Lord first. This is, you know, and this, this has been the story of my wife and I's life. Me and Maha, this is how we lived ever since I've been 21 years doing comedy, been full-time. You know, we don't have a check, never had. I've never had a check that I guaranteed to come anytime. But you know what? In all our lives, you know, in every, you know, we gave to the Lord first. And God never, to this day, shortchanged us. He never there was never a need that wasn't met. There's once that wasn't met. And, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I have so many failures and so many other things that I struggle and work on. But one thing I know, that give to God's work first and then see the blessing. And that is so true. Number three, give to God's work regardless of your situation. That's the obedience that leads to supernatural uh, blessings and solution. And, and you know this is what happened for this and she went away and did as Elijah had told her so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family for the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah a supernatural thing that happened thank you Lord I know I, I'm going to tell him that. <laughs> just give me a minute Lord okay Okay, I'm sorry. I know. It's like, oh, holy man from the Holy Land speaking to us. <laughs> no. Okay. Some, sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Eliza, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? What's going on? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Oh Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon the widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Let's stop here. This is amazing for people who are serving in the ministry, for pastors, and for Christian people who are really serious about the word of the Lord. Number four, don't expect an explanation from God. Even Elijah the prophet that said there, should be, there shall be no rain unless I say so, did not know God's next step. He did not know God's next move. And sometimes God does that. He doesn't want you to know what's his next step. He will let you just walk one step and then go, okay, what do I do next? Don't worry about it. I'll tell you. Then you move. Then I'll tell you, do this, and you do this, do that. Lord, oh, I'm going to fall. It's okay. Don't worry, you'll not fall. If you're listening to me and doing what I tell you, I'm going to tell you. But I need to know, Lord. I need to have a five-year plan. 
I need to have a 10-year plan. I need to know exactly what the 10-year, because I'm a controlling person, and I need to be in control. And if I don't know the future, and I don't know what's going to happen next, I cannot be in control. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do in your life right now. I don't want you to less control and let me take care of it. Number four, don't expect an explanation from the Lord. Romans 11, 33, 34 tells us. Romans 11, 33 and 34. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgment and his path beyond tracking, tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? I mean, come on. We know God. It's just all wisdom is in the Lord. Why are we going, I need to know. No, let him take care of your next step. So we continue here. So he took him and he carried him. Out and after he cried out to the Lord, then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, Oh Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him. And he left. The boy is back to life. Elijah picked up the child, carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave him to his mother. And he said, look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. What are you doing? Number five, remember prior blessings. This lady forgot. She forgot that God took care of the jars. The jars of oil are still in her house. A miracle is in her house happening. Continued. She forgot that. And the next problem that happened, she panicked again. It doesn't that, isn't that what we do? You know, we, we pray to the Lord. Lord, I have this problem. Would you please take care of it? Would you please provide for this? And God provides. And you move on. And you forget. You forget. Then the next problem happens. Oh, what are we going to do? I don't think you can handle it. What? You forgot? You know, one time I was in a prison in Indiana. I, 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 for, for years, I went with Chuck Colson ministry to prisons. And one time we were in a prison in Indiana. And we entered the prison. And uh, after we did the service for the inmates, they took us to the chapel there. And I entered the chapel. And in the chapel, they had writings on both walls. And just the entire wall was filled with writing on each side. And I asked him, what is this for? And the chaplain said, Nazareth, whenever we have a prayer request, we write it on this wall. And when it's answered, we write it on that wall. And they almost had the same amount of writing. And it's amazing because when they enter the chapel, whatever prayer they had, when they look at that wall, they go, God does answer prayer. Do you have a prayer journal? Do you write when someone, when you have a prayer, when you're going through a hard time, do you write that down? And when it's answered, you go back three months. Do this. It's beautiful. If you don't have it, have a journal. Whatever prayer you need. Lord, you know, my son is sick. I'm taking him to the doctor right now. Please don't let it be something serious. Write it down. Lord, you know what? We, we need to make a payment next week. It's a payment due and I don't have the money. And God provides. Boom. You write that down. And then when it's answered, you go two months later, and you'll be amazed how many prayers you had that's been answered. And you write it down. And that's it's amazing. It makes you remember what God has blessed you before, how he took care of you, and then you won't worry as much. Okay, so we continue here. And uh, 
And the Lord, and the Lord helped us, and the boy's life returned, and we, and the woman said, now I know, now I know that the Lord, you know, God, and, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. You know what, this is funny, that God, one minute, she had her son, the next minute, she had her son back, he was alive. But in that moment, God allowed this to happen, why? So she can say, I know that you are God. And I know the truth is in your mouth. Sometimes God allows hard times to go, to happen to you personally. Why? Does he enjoy seeing you in, in pain or suffer? No. So you know at the end of it that God is real. He cares about you. He loves you. And he can take care of you. And once you do that, then you, you need to hold on to that. And that's what I say. Be thankful for the truth that was revealed to you. Be thankful for the truth that was revealed to you. You know, uh, okay, I get it, Lord. <laughs> you know, sometimes I like to have a quiet time, but God keeps talking to me. I just, just, <laughs> just kidding. Let's be thankful for the truth that was revealed. I'm going to give you just one piece of truth that, that makes you so thankful. The, it's in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace through faith you have been saved. It's a gift from God. Not by works, lest anyone shall boast and brag. It's a gift. You know, you know how many people are living their lives? Billions of people don't have that piece of truth. You know how miserable they are. Praying five times a day, fasting for a month, doing works, hoping that God might be pleased with their works. That maybe one day, if their better works are more than their bad works, that God might say, come to heaven. You know how many billions of people are suffering every day, worrying about what's going to happen to them when they die. Guess what? You have that truth. You are saved. If you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are saved. This is what happened. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of God. If, you take, if I take Pastor Lyson here, and, I, and, and let's assume that Pastor Lyson is a perfect man. Perfect. No sin, nothing cannot have a bad thought, just the perfect wisdom and the perfect words come out of his mouth. If I take his wisdom and his words and I can form him into flesh, into a human and put him on earth, that's what our Lord Jesus Christ and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as if the only begotten of the Father. And I take that person that became flesh, that's, oh, that's the wisdom and the word of God together and I put him on earth and I go, what title should I give him? The son of God, that people would honor him. And what do people do? What do you do with the word that you don't like? You just ignore it, you step on it. Or you take it and you just nail it. Nail it to the wall, just like they nailed the word of God to the cross. And that's a proclamation that this is the word of God. And man spat on it and I don't like it. I don't want it. That's what they did to our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, the wisdom and the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have his word right here. 
What do you do with that? What do you do with that truth? What do you do with that wisdom? What do you do with that information that was given to you? You follow it. Say, I love Jesus, but I don't read the Bible. I love Jesus, uh, but I don't, I don't do what God wants me to do. You know, I'm still living with my girlfriend. I'm still doing my, my business that I want to do, that I know it's not perfect, but I'm still doing it. I'm still doing with the drugs and stuff. I'm still watching this. You know what? God hates you for that. This is tough. This is a, God hates what you're doing. If you are living a life that's completely against the wisdom and the words of God, God is not going, oh, I love you so much, just keep doing. He hates what you're doing. He loves you. He wants you back. But if you're living your life just thinking, oh, I'm just going to live my life, do whatever I want, you know, fornication, whatever it is, God hates it. And he wants you to repent and he wants you to come back to him. And he wants you to turn your life to him. Be thankful for the truth that was revealed to you. If, there are, if only one truth, that we are saved by the grace through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for us, that he died and rose again from the dead. If we do that, we, we are saved. That, that by itself should make you jump up and down and leave and dance in the rain going, I am saved by grace. I don't have to, to, to go to bed at night fearing that if I die, I'm going to go to hell. Why? Because you believe in Jesus. That's just one truth that was revealed to us. And then at the end, you know, and always number seven is look around. I did it last time. Look around. Do you think you have a problem? Look around. Are you concerned? Let's say, and I want to do this again. If you're a cancer survivor, would you stand up, please, and remain standing? And on all campuses, yes. Remain standing. If you're a cancer survivor, give him a hand. Remain standing. God bless you. Thank you. As, you, as you're standing, there's some of you sitting down so fearful that you might have to go for a blood test or you're scared that you're gonna, the doctor is going to say something. Oh, you might have cancer. Or you're afraid because your, your parents or grandparents had cancer that you're going to get it. Guess what? Look around. So it happens. I don't know these people. I can tell you. Looking at them, they say, you know what? I know we hated the chemotherapy. We hated going through the pain and through the cancer. But guess what? We are so thankful right now. Right now, our life is much better than it's ever been before. We appreciate life more. We know that God takes care of us and he heals us. Amen? Would they say that? Give him a hand. Thank you so much. Is that comforting for you sitting down? Was that comforting for you? How many people had uh, financial hardships? That they've been through it, you know, and they passed it. They had foreclosures in the past or whatever financial, and they lost their businesses or their jobs, and now they're okay. Would you stand up and remain standing? Yes, give him a hand. Yes. Some of you are sitting now, I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my house. What are we going to do? We're going to go on the street. We're not going to have any bread. We might eat it and die. That's it. Look around. Look at these people. They've been through the same thing you think you might go through. And guess what? Even though if, uh, if God allows you to go through it, he will take care of you. And you can come again and stand one day when I come back in a few years. It won't be raining. It won't be thundering. Uh, but you can say, wow, you know what? I've been through it and I pass it. And, and you go, it's okay. See, if you're worried about losing your house and your job, look around. It's okay. What's the worst going to happen? Okay, thank you guys.
How many people had relationship issues? And they thought, that's it, we're going to get a divorce. But God healed the relationship, and you have a better marriage today than ever. Would you stand up, please? Some of you are going through relationship issues. and uh, oh, I can't live with her. I can't live with him. No, that's it. We got to get a divorce. Don't even think about it. Don't even think divorce. Think, Lord, come into our marriage and heal it and take care of it. He loves marriage and he will take care of it. And look around. These people, you know, been through maybe worse. They had worse fight. You know, this guy has stabbing wounds. I, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? You know, they've had it. They had it worse than you did. And you know what? They... they they were patient, they trusted in the Lord, and God healed their marriage. Thank you so much. Give me a hand. And finally, some of you have lost a loved one and thought life is over. But God filled up that emptiness and became your best friend and took care of that. If, you, if that's you, would you stand up? Wow. Some of you are afraid. What happened? What happened if I lose my best friend, you know, my husband or my spouse or my child or my parents? Guess what? It's the worst thing I can think about, but guess what? Even if it happens, we have a loving God that takes care of us. So give him a hand. Thank you so much. Thank you. Are you encouraged, people? Are you encouraged now? Are you, are you still worried and scared? Don't. Put your ego aside. Do God's will regardless of your approval and give to God's work. Don't expect an explanation from God. Remember prior blessings. Be thankful and look around. And let me close with this. Uh, uh, one time I was uh, quickly, I was doing uh, uh, a, a youth retreat up in the mountains in California. And this man was just smiling and, la and looking at me and smiling. And he was just being nice to everybody. It just annoyed me. <laughs> he was just too happy. And I asked someone, I said, who's this guy? Why is he all this money? He said, oh, this man, last year he was in a van with his family. He has six kids and his wife. And they were driving, and the van rolled and burned. And he saw his family burn in front of him. <sighs> I said, how could he laugh? I went to him and said, how could you smile and laugh? He goes, you know, I, you don't understand the pain of seeing your family before, die and burn before you. But... God took care of me and gave me a peace that I don't understand. He said, I don't understand it. But I, will, I love life. I love people. I want to serve the Lord. Amen. Father God, in Jesus' name, we love you and we thank you. And we, may we just trust in you. May we be obedient to you so we can say your supernatural work. We love you, Lord. I pray that anyone who doesn't know you that may come to know you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Nazareth. I'm going to invite our ushers if they would come and as our worship team returns back up on stage. We're just going to be preparing for communion here this morning as our service draws to a close. Uh, we want to take time to just remember what Jesus did when he died on that cross for us. Some of the challenges that Nazareth has just shared with us and how we can be challenged in our relationship with God. But I do have a question I want to ask you this morning really simple question. A question that there's not a single person here this morning cannot answer one way or the other. You know, I don't know about you, but maybe you've written many tests or had many tests, maybe like 
for me, have some flashbacks to going through school and the fear of that exam that was coming up and whether I could pass the exam or not. Maybe at university, maybe in work situations now and preparation, uh, you know, having a test. And sometimes those tests, you know, uh, were difficult. I always found that, uh, for me, the easiest tests that I ever took, not because I did so well on them, but the easiest test that I ever took was a test that had just simple yes or no answers. Because I kind of felt like, well, if I get it wrong, I mean, at least I've got a 50% chance of getting it right, yes or no. I have a question that is far more important to us this morning than a test to pass an exam, to get a degree or whatever it may be. Because it has eternal value. And it is a yes or no answer. And the simple question I have for you this morning is this. Do you know Jesus? I'm not asking you, do you go to church? Are you here regularly? I'm not asking you, do you give consistently? I'm not asking you if you're a good person. I'm not asking you if you shouted at your wife or your husband on the way to church this morning. I'm not asking you any of those. I'm not asking you what job situation, where where your job and your work is at the moment. I'm asking you just that simple question. Do you know Jesus? In other words, do you have a relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Yes or no? For many of you, you would say, yes, I do. I know, I prayed a prayer some time ago, or maybe for some, I know it's just been a couple of weeks ago. I prayed that simple prayer, accepted Christ into my life as my personal Savior, and have become a part of the family of God, and I'm growing in my faith and my maturity in my walk with God. For some here this morning, your response would be, no. And Pastor, I'm not exactly sure what this is all about. Well, this morning, before we take communion, I'm going to ask all of us, to pray a simple prayer. A simple prayer that will give you an opportunity to just come before God and say, God, I'm not 100% sure. I've heard the word being preached this morning. I've heard Nazareth talk about how we take hold of, of the grace of God and the grace of God can change our lives. I felt inside that I felt the Holy Spirit. I think it's the Holy Spirit. I, I, I feel something inside of me that, that's nudging me and realizing that I'm a sinner and that I cannot live life on my own. I need Jesus. By the way, if, they do, if that is going, if you're experiencing that in your life right now, this feeling of, of I, I'm a sinner, there's something, I, I need God. That is the Holy Spirit at work in with you. He's drawing you to Jesus this morning. Drawing you to the cross where Jesus died, shed his blood, and of course on the third day rose again. Do you know Jesus? Do you have a relationship with him? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And I'm going to invite all of us to pray that prayer, just to repeat this prayer after me, just a simple prayer. Not that we all need to pray it every time, but when we pray together like this on a Sunday morning, it gives someone in this church this morning the confidence to pray it and pray from their heart. And and when you pray this prayer, if you're praying from your heart, based upon God's word, you'll experience what the Bible talks about being born again. Eternally, eternal significance. So would you repeat this simple prayer after me this morning? Dear Lord Jesus, something in my heart 
tells me I need you. I now confess my sin and repent of my sin. And by faith, ask you to come into my life as my personal Savior and my Lord. Amen. Now, would you keep your heads bowed just for a moment for me? If you prayed that prayer this morning, you prayed it from your heart, and you affirm what I've shared with you before. Would you do me a favor? Would you look up at me right now? If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you're saying, yes, I've prayed that prayer, I've accepted Christ. Many of you, a number of you looking up at me this morning. God bless you. God is doing something very special in your life. As you take that step of faith, as you've taken that step of faith, and he will continue to challenge you and grow you that you may be more and more that God has purposed and planned for you. Amen.